On today's show, it took a little bit, but the Cavs took care of business against the Suns. We'll discuss that and a possible Cavs wing trade on this episode of Locked on Cavs. You kick off your Monday. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. Check them out on Apple Music or Spotify. I'm Chris Manning, covering the Cavs and the NBA for places like Diamond Up Rocks and SB Nation. That man over there is Evan Damerell, the proprietor of Write Down Euclid. Okay, so we are going to discuss Cavs Suns in segment one and segment two today. That is obviously the big thing of this Cavs Monday. Cleveland comes back in the fourth quarter from a, a not coming back from from being down, but coming back from a bad kind of eh, thir- first three quarters and really turned it up in the fourth. And then segment three, we'll talk about a possible mm-hmm. Karis LeVert swap. But Evan, this was a basketball game where the Cavs were going against a team that didn't have Chris Paul, didn't have Devin Booker, both pretty good, pretty important, didn't have Cam Johnson, didn't have campaign, and obviously doesn't have Jay Crowder. And it took the Cavs a little bit, but they got it done. And I think if you're them... You feel good about your fourth quarter. You feel good about some of the spot minutes you got, and you're just happy. I think you get out of there with a dub. Maybe this is testament to how Monty Williams and JB Bickerspet staff, excuse me, both coach their teams. But much like the other night, this was much higher scoring wise, at least compared to when the Cleveland last played Phoenix. But this was a bit of a slog. This was a bit of a uglier game, as you had noted, at least until the fourth quarter happened, and that kind of changed things quite a bit, just because. Cleveland really just turned it on in the final frame of the game. But for the most part, like this was just an ugly defensive first kind of game. The Cavs kind of grinded it out a little bit. You saw Evan Mobley flirt with a triple double, which is certainly interesting to see. But like it was it was a kind of a team effort, similarly to when the Cavs beat Chicago on the road uh, before the start of the new year. And you get, of course, like the headliners and Darius and Donovan, like they, they are your leading scorers. But like you're getting something from Karis LeVert. You got something from... Allen, Okoro, Mobley, I mean, he even got some some juice, at least from like Jetty Osmond, Lamar Stevens, Kevin Love. Halu Neto had a pretty big 11 minutes to just some of the scrap he played with as well. Like, this was a total team effort for Cleveland at the end of the day. And again, I think the fourth quarter just skewed things a little bit, but it was certainly close. Um, for perspective, Cleveland won the first quarter 35 to 26, then lost the second and third quarter pretty, pretty narrowly, I'd say, six point loss in the second quarter two-point loss in the third quarter but again the Cavs blew this open in the fourth to kind of make this seem like a wider victory than it was margin of victory than it was but they were able to beat a Suns team that is very good at home and I think if you're the Cavs a team that struggles on the road you take that especially after just kind of a pretty bad performance all around against Denver the other night yeah I think you you feel good about uh, about that and just getting back on track and I think the performances of your your best players I think you obviously feel be good about. I also think the the shouting on Nate, Neto and Stevens is important because those guys come in in the fourth or coming in the third and play into the fourth and like played like really kind of important spot minutes. They don't check in until late in the third, so like their impact isn't really felt there. But in the fourth, like these are guys that that played a big chunk of that quarter. Neto plays nine minutes. Stevens plays the whole thing, and they they don't have like eye popping like box score stats. Like at the end of the year, we'll be like, look if you were to look through like. Okay, what was like the high point of 
Stevens' year or the high point of Neto's year. This isn't going to be that game. But Neto comes in, he plays really tough defense and, and is just in a guy's face. He has a really nice no-look assist to set up a dunk for, for a teammate. Mm-hmm. Has three points, makes a three. Stevens comes in and is playing active defense, has six boards, two, 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 two points, so he gets inside and, and has a little bucket in the paint. So he had a huge block in the third quarter mm-hmm. as well. That was kind of like yeah. just killed any momentum the Suns are trying to build. Yeah, so like the Cavs, like, look, you can, I think, rightly, if you're out there and you feel like a little bit goofy or a little bit concerned about some of their depth and you look at, at where it is and you're saying, okay, like, I'm, I'm not sure how good any of this depth is. I'm not sure, like, how much I trust it. These guys, like, did just kind of show up and kind of, like, doesn't, I don't want to say, like, they saved the game because I think that's hype, that to be hyperbolic. I think Garland was kind of, like, really instrumental in the fourth. I thought Mobley was really great in the fourth and pretty good overall in this game. But those guys, and, and Karis Levert, again, made some big shots, and, and that was needed. But those guys provided good minutes, and I think where the Cavs just, like, needed minutes. And, and that was, like, uh, that was a call that J.B. Bickerstaff goes to that. So kudos to him. He, he for whatever reason, tr- that would this would be, like, my first question post-game if we were out in Phoenix. It would be, mm-hmm. what made you go to those guys in those moments? What were you looking for? And did you, was, how do you feel about how they played? Just kind of that, that was such a big call, and it worked out. And it's it's a reason, among others, that they win that game. I absolutely agree. Um, Holland until like like you said, like if you're just watching and Lamar Stevens as well, but like if you're just looking at the box score, you're thinking like, oh, these two played a little bit, but this was a wider margin of victory for Cleveland because they won by 14 points. Like that's how they got so many minutes. But no, they were very impactful. Like Neto just was very pesky again, like he was the other night against Phoenix. Uh, Stevens, like you said, provided really big. Uh, boards and just like really key defense in the end of the third quarter entering and the, all of the fourth quarter as well. Like they, they were, this was a good call by JB Bickerstaff. He kind of trusted his gut, trusted his guys. And I think the, the, the guys he called on that them being in Stevens and Neto, like just took, made the most of the opportunity in front of them and just made sure that they were making playing winning impactful basketball. And again, that just kind of goes to the crux of my initial argument about this game and just like broad takeaways. Like this was a, this was a team effort through and through. Like, like you said, there's not going to be many high points in Holland. Neto even says so himself. Like he doesn't really expect to play much, especially like when Ricky Rubio comes back, but he's always ready. And Lamar Stevens, whenever you ask him, like, how do you maintain that mentality? He's like, it's tough, but I always know I have to be ready on a nightly basis. Cause I never know my, when my number is going to be called. So if you're Cleveland, you're more than pleased with just some of your bench guys stepping up when you need them to. I think you're pleased with your two A-list, your stars, and Mitchell and Garland kind of carrying most of the offensive load, and Garland really just getting everybody involved as well. Like, this was a total team effort, and I think if you're the Cavs, again, just especially just how that game on Friday against Denver went, like, you're, you're looking to shift lanes a little bit and try and find some positives on a pretty extensive 10 day road trip. Like you're away from home for a while and you kind of have to figure out ways to win on the road. And these are good examples of doing so. Small thing that, that, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, like he may play 40 minutes uh, on, on Tuesday and you tell, we'll see, but Mitchell only plays 29 minutes in this game, considering like he just came back from rest, considering the workload he's played often this year. I think getting him like getting a win where he only, you know, he has 22 points, he has two assists and four turnovers. Like he, he, this wasn't like a dominant Mitchell game. You didn't win. Like yes, his twenty-two points helped, but like he wasn't the overriding reason that they kind of no. they they won this game. And I think that's like a subtle little a little dub for the Cavs too. Absolutely, I think you just need to be cognizant of Donovan Mitchell's minutes because you lean on him so heavily to start the season. Just with Darius Garland dealing with various ailments of the face or thumb. Um, 
you just got to be cognizant of it. Like you said, yeah, he could play 40 minutes against Utah because there's probably going to be no Colin Sexton against the Cavs on Tuesday night in Salt Lake City. But like Larry Markkinen absolutely had a bonkers game for the, against the Bulls the other night. I feel like he's going to be looking for blood again against the Cavs. And Salt Lake City slash Utah in general is just a place where Cleveland struggles. So maybe that's a night where they lean heavily on Donovan, then rust him against Portland or Minnesota to wrap up the trip. Yeah, I'm Mitchell's just like I'm trying to pull this up really quick. He's played just like a crazy amount of minutes. Thirty six like, games and I believe almost thirty nine minutes per game this season, if I am thinking this correctly, or it's thirty six. It's a it's a three point bump from what he was playing last season in Utah though. Three minute bump rather. Yeah, so if you go to um this season, he is in terms of minutes played, I'm trying to pull this up. He he's played a lot of minutes is, is Sort of, yeah. sort of the point, and he's um, it's it's hard to find, but he's played like a ton of minutes again, getting him thirty and playing well, like kind of without he needing him to carry is is kind of a, a nice little bit of wrinkle. Okay, he's played we're gonna take one thousand three hundred and fourteen yeah. minutes. Um, last season for the Jazz, he played two thousand two hundred sixty six minutes and thirty one more games. So he he's probably going to eclipse his uh, minutes per game this season with the Cavs compared yeah, and- to what he was last year at the Jazz. Yeah, and I think you could get him into a spot where, like, he's, like, top 10 minutes. Like, he's not there right now. Like, you know, Don, like, Jalen Green is, like, thir- it's 10th, like, 1342. So, like, he's close, but he's not quite in. That's just coming into Sunday, obviously. So, it very well be in the top 10, depending on um, I don't know all that. But, all right, after the break, we're going to give it our game awards. That's MVP stat of the night and play of the night. But, Evan, you have an ad read for Today's episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by TurboTax. Go to TurboTax, and you don't have to do your taxes. You can meet with an expert who will do them for you. TurboTax experts can relieve you of any stress of taxes and file for you so you can do no taxes. Show your eyes things that are not taxes. Unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste not taxes. Sing not taxes a lullaby. Hope not taxes sleeps through the night. Grab a saddle and ride not taxes into the sunset. With the TurboTax 100% expert guarantee, an expert will do your taxes from start to finish so you can relax. Feels good to be done with your taxes already, doesn't it? Come to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. So, visit TurboTax.com and learn more. Into a TurboTax. Full service products only. Video meeting with expert. Does your taxes required? See guarantee details at TurboTax.com forward slash guarantee. All right, back here on Lockdown Cavs. Chris Manning and Evan Demerol. Evan, let's go into our game awards. Um, I'm going to mm-hmm. go Evan. Uh, excuse me. I'm going to go Darius Garland from, from my MVP because... I thought Garland had some really big moments in the fourth quarter. I thought he played a very composed, strong game. You, you saw him, you know, take he had a three in this game in transition. Then he had a he had a, an option to pass the ball to Levert, and he just pulled, took the pull up three, stuck it. I kind of love mm-hmm. that he just kind of tried to put his impact as a scorer in this game and put his foot down there to kind of to settle things down. A twenty two point seven assists, two turnover a night. Uh, just really, really, really good game from Garland. Didn't show any really ill effects from. From with his hand and that sprain in his thumb right now, so that's that's a positive sign. But a really good game for Garland. Who's your MVP? Well, I think that's a wonderful pick. First off, especially because it's no ill effects from the thumb injury, no ill effects from hitting, getting hit in the nether regions, no ill effects from being hit in the face again too. Like it's encouraging. We'll obviously see how this goes. You take it game by game for Cleveland, but for me, my MVP pick was Evan Mobley, just for the fact alone that he almost had a triple-double in this game. And I know folks were quick to correct me, and I said he might have. He's very close to getting a triple-double, but the Cavs kind of really pulled away in the fourth quarter. I think if this was a close game, he maybe he would have gotten it, or maybe it would have been a lot closer, but 
it's interesting because you think about how Mobley is projecting in year two and how maybe he's not living up to the offensive expectations, but he makes impacts on the game in so many different ways that maybe the scoring need still is pretty mitigated, especially with Donovan Mitchell out there. But just seeing Evan Mobley be so involved in the offensive side of the game and also defensive in terms of rebounds, I believe he had a blocked shot tonight in this game against Phoenix as well. Like, Mobley was really big, and he had a very frustrating kind of not-so-great game against Nikola Jokic in the Nuggets on Friday, so this is a pretty good shift just to see him kind of re-engage and make a huge impact in this win. This was, a, I think, a great Evan Mobley defensive game. Yeah. Um, did really well positionally, did really well to alter shots and play passing lanes and do all of the stuff that, like, you know, it sometimes, like, it, it doesn't get noticed as much, but like, the, you know, I don't think he did this particularly well, as you said, against, uh, against Denver. And then in this game, it's like seven and 10 from the field. He's being very aggressive in his shot making, had that, he also had a nice little fadeaway over in the post when he didn't uh, get into deep eight rebounds, six assists, 14 points, just like a really, really good Evan Mobley game. This is, this is one of those games where you watch it and you're just it's like, oh man, this guy really can do it all. And it, it's fun to see him just kind of, play a little more solidly than he has of of late and we're going to talk more about mobile i think in his and where we, we're at with him kind of i think on tuesday show it's one of the topics i think we'll get to as we look where we are at at the season now but evan let's go to stat of the night mm-hmm. mine's 80 percent at the rim for the Cavs, 80 percent shooting at the rim versus 50 percent for the suns that's crazy they just kind of got whatever they didn't take a ton of shots at the rim like only like uh close to a quarter of their shots a little above that which is not a ton but they were deadly accurate at that spot and really contested all the Suns looks there. So that that is just a big decider thing. The Cavs shooting numbers overall from everyone on the floor were largely really good in this game. Mid-range threes, all of it. Um, they were like 50% on corner threes in this game, which is like a, a crazy good number. But 80% at the rim is, is really good stuff for Cleveland. What's your stat? Uh, my stat of the night is, as everyone expected, Isaac Okoro leading the Cavs in three-point shooting with four makes from the three-point line. Chris did note before we started recording that Okoro did make a setback three during garbage time, and I joke saying that the Cavs have found the formula to success on the road, or just in general, is letting Isaac Okoro make the most three-pointers. But in all seriousness, I think Okoro kind of finding his shot a little bit is super encouraging, especially because the starting three spots been a bit of a revolving door. You see Levert play it, you see Dean Wade play it for a little bit, now Wade's hurt. You watch Lamar Stevens soak up a lot of minutes now. The Cavs are turning to Isaac Okoro to kind of audition for the spot. And if Okoro looks comfortable on the perimeter and he's able to keep defenses honest, something that we preach a lot on this show, it's a good thing. And I think tonight is a good game just to like kind of keep in your back catalog of like this. These are good games Isaac Okoro has as the starting three for the Cavs. The Suns were like closer to him in the corner than I feel like I've seen teams in some time. It is interesting. Yeah, I did kind of notice that too. I was just like, well, Phoenix is kind of playing him honestly, but I don't know. We'll see how it looks against teams that are more of like defensive juggernauts, like the Milwaukee's of the world, or like even Boston, or shoot, even Golden State. If the Cavs have I mean, it's, it's the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, the playoffs too, yeah. more than anything. Like, is Isaac Okoro going to be a liability? <laughs> we'll see. It's it's up to him really to see if he is or not. All right, so that that's where we're at with Okoro. Again, we'll talk about him a lot more, but Evan, let's go to our play of the night. What, what is your play? Uh, my play of the night is Darius Garland scoring the first points for the Cavs. It was a dunk, and the only reason it's kind of noteworthy is it's the first dunk Darius Garland has made since the 2020-21 season, and he is now two of three overall in dunks in his career at the professional level, and 
Yeah, I don't know. That's just my play of the night. You don't really see it that often, especially for a six foot, six one point guard who probably isn't looking to get into the lane quite like that. So hey, shout it out when you can. I mean, you got a Kevin Love dunk and a Darius Garland dunk in this game. That had to be like plus like five thousand to, to happen. I'm thinking about you it. Know. Probably was. I mean Kevin Love really doesn't really have those hops anymore, so no, and like he just doesn't. It, they always like freak out when he dunks. All right, uh, my play though, Donovan Mitchell steal eight eleven in the third quarter gets it to Jared Allen. Jared Allen just takes off and dunks and just just gets it airborne. Uh, you saw the Mikael Bridges call for a travel, and you know that's it's it's a little close on on the feet there. But Mitchell Allen just got up, dunked it, and just good good heads up play by Mitchell in that situation. This was just fun. This was like in a, in a part of the game where it was a little sloggy. It was a little kind of eh. And they, they kind of created something and you get the Mitchell clapping and I the energy coming out of this play. This is one of those plays where like, I'm like, all right, maybe they kind of like figure things out from here. And then obviously they didn't. And it got a little dicey and it took until the mm-hmm. fourth. But I was like, oh, this could be like a catalyst kind of play. And it, it's just honestly, I think watching Jared Allen dunk is really fun, too. Yeah, he, uh, he's underappreciated, I think, in terms of just the four stars, because he's not really going to be the flashiest, but he certainly is consistent. And when he does get those dunks up it also is probably an indicator that his ankle's feeling better too and maybe that injury that he was dealing with in the preseason as well is doing better so hey hopefully he's turning around a new page and he's healthy and like you said i thought it was going to be a catalyst for the Cavs as well i thought a couple plays would have been like that kevin love dunk could have been a catalyst for the Cavs as well but like credit where credit's due to the suns like they're a well-coached team and they do play tough and like this wasn't an easy one for cleveland until the fourth quarter kind of rolled around like it did Yes. All right. We'll come back after this break and dive into a possible Cavs trade option. Uh, first, though, I want to thank you for making Locked On Cavs your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and the calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. Look, we just got through all the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, and but you don't want to compromise taste, then man, I've got just the thing for you. You gotta try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, these are so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you. But this is perfect for New Year's resolutions. So, what makes Built Bar so good? For starters, they were covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bilt does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And I don't need to wait around and get a box. Forever on the show, we've been talking about ordering your Bilt bars at Bilt.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Bilt bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Or, I mean, just get all three. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with Hit Flavors, Briny Batter, and Churro. Thank me later. Check out Built Bar and go to Built.com if you want to just continue ordering online. All right, back here. Lockdown Cavs. Chris Manning, Evan Damerel. What up? So... Uh, I so, will say real quick for the folks who have yeah. built bars at home, I have seen them at my local GNCs as of late too. Like I have seen them like 
next to all the other protein bars, but they definitely stick out because I'm just like, I recognize that brand. I have a bunch of those at home. That's so correct. Just, all right. Just, just sharing. Yeah. Just sharing. All right. So, uh, Evan, one of the things that is, um, kind of percolated out there a little bit is that, um, in, in, in recent, in, it's been out there for a couple weeks. Jake Fisher said this first couple weeks ago. Um, and this was said again, um, and Chris Fedor talking with Jake Fisher on, on, Jake Fisher's I podcast. Zach Lowe said it first, but either way, there's a lot. It, it is there's a lot. Of, it, it is it is an unspoken secret that the Cavs are looking to upgrade the wing spot heading up yeah, to the trade we, deadline, which is a yeah. month away from when this episode comes out. Yes, and we just did an episode on this the other day. Um, so you can you can go ch- a segment on this the other day on on the wing situation. Um, on a recent Fisher report, you can go check out. But Evan, I I was thinking about Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, as mm-hmm. who's kind of the reported target in this, and I get the impulse of a Tim Hardaway Jr. He would that would not be like my first pick of where I would go. I would want to do like, you know, I would want to look at like a three point five. I would want to look at a guy that fits come at that. And I look at in Hardaway Jr.'s contract is interesting just because it is also, um, it. it it's it's different than Levert's, and then I, I'm pulling it up to tell you exactly how much is on it right now. But like, I don't think it's expiring, and and that means you're like you're kind of committing to a little bit more money with him. And you have to really like the fit. So he is, yeah. So I was correct. So he is signed this year for 19, next year for 17, and the year after that for for 16. So it's a declining contract after this season, which um, would would if you're gonna go to that, there, there's at least that benefit that you know you're getting him at a lower number as he gets into his deeper thirties, and he gives you more flexibility as Garland's contracts in and a new Mitchell deal and and whatever other money you're gonna need to spend, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a little, I don't love this trade. I if you're gonna, you know, if this was if you're if this is the kind of like off ball shooter that you're looking at, I think I would prefer like a Malik Beasley who's a little younger and, and takes a higher volume of threes. I don't think Correct. this is like a perfect fit just because of the defensive stuff and, and you have to kind of see what you're getting out of him but I get the impulse to look at a Tim Hardaway Jr. and think okay like the shooting could help us and there's obviously like Levert would kind of need to be the, the piece to do it and I, I can understand kind of flipping flipping that that for that one player for that even if I don't think it's like a perfect fit I'd be I'd be curious to see who would want picks in this trade yeah too I, I would be curious about that as well. I think the fact that Levert's contract is expiring is certainly appealing for a team like Dallas, who somebody pointed this out the other day, like the Mavericks could kind of just clear up their cap sheet a little bit more, cash in on all the picks they now are, have available to them after that Knicks trade for Kristaps Porzingis and just kind of cash in and actually go get a bonafide star next to Luka then. But um, our boss slash uh, locked on Mavs host Nick Angstack did point out like you're pretty much swapping spot up shooting for ball handling between Karis Liver and Tim Hardaway Jr. It is interesting to think that you're swapping two former Michigan teammates. I also made a face just because Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, took over for Manny Harris when starting at Michigan at first. So that's kind of a funny full circle moment for him as well with Cleveland. But if you just want to focus on shooting and think like that's the clear need for Cleveland, I agree. I think maybe you can look elsewhere, maybe like Josh Richardson, maybe Malik Beasley, or I also just think this is worth noting. And this was noted on the um, podcast featuring Chris Fedor and Jake Fisher. And it's something I've heard as well as like the, the Cavs aren't going to make a trade just for the sake of making a trade either. Like they could very well go into the trade deadline because as Chris noted on the show, when we talked about this the other day, like their big move is to go get Donovan Mitchell. And 
the cats can come up to the deadline and realize like, Hey, we don't really have anything that is worth it for us in terms of a trade, just in compromising future right. flexibility and financial flex, financial flexibility. And they're also just curious with how does this team look when they're healthy? When Dean Wade is back, how does this team look when Ricky Rubio is healthy and fully comfortable back on the floor? Like maybe Rubio is able to mitigate and juice this bench unit a little bit to kind of unlock like Jetty Osmond and Isaac Okoro and Karis Levert and, the Cavs kind of make it work then, and then they have clearer books because Levert's and Love's contract come off the books then, and you may bring them back on cheaper, uh, more cost-effective deals for you then. So, I don't know. There's a lot of ways the Cavs could go about this. Um, I understand maybe it's frustrating if you're a fan because you play NBA 2K and you can just find a trade anytime, anywhere, but that's just not how the NBA works at the end of the day. Like, yeah, I just don't think teams call up teams like saying, let's do a trade right now. Like, it's organic. These things kind of come up naturally. It's ways you work about things. Like... For those who know, like the Donovan Mitchell Knicks trade, like was an ongoing discussion all summer long, and the Cavs are kind of in the back pocket all pocket all summer long. It's not like the Cavs just jumped in right away, and made an offer. It takes time, so we'll see how it goes. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. would make sense though as like a target. Um, I do think it's also worth noting that they talked about how like Isaac Okoro realistically isn't getting traded at the deadline, or like the Cavs aren't really keen to be looking to trade Isaac Okoro either, which. Makes sense. You have a guy who is still on his rookie scale contract and has a lot of potential. And I think, you know, you need more footage on it at this point because you have one game with him playing with the starting lineup like this sure. against Phoenix. So maybe he does emerge as a small forward of the future where he's able to be that like connective piece and it kind of mitigates the need as well. Like, I don't know. The Cavs are just in a little bit of a weird spot. They are a flawed roster at the end of the day, and I understand the appeal of it. But I, I, I kind of cool at the notion of Tim Hardaway Jr. because it is a pretty pigeonholed one-dimensional-esque swap for me at least the other thing i would say is that i do not think i would if i'm the Cavs, i don't think i'm i would make any trade that is predicated on this year that you're viewing through the prism of this year that's a far harder we do most gm so well and i don't even think it's so much as like that for me in this case but i think with with the Hardaway Jr. feels like a thing you might need to like move him on again at some point mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. I'm like, he, you know, I don't think he has necessarily been at his absolute best in the same way we've seen from, from him in, in Dallas this year. I think it's been a little bit different. I, I think it just puts you in an interesting position with him. And if you're figuring that out, you know, where, where does that, where does that leave you if this doesn't totally work? And are you flipping again? And like, like maybe like the contract is a useful and you could flip it and other stuff. And like, maybe there's some value in that, but I sometimes, I wonder if you're getting a little ahead of yourself um, in that sense. So I, I, I'm curious to see how this comes out and what they end up doing and, and what this looks like. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious, but Evan, let's end there. We'll be back on Tuesday to look at where the Cavs are at this season, kind of do some checking in at this point of the year. And then we'll, we'll, uh, get ahead, ready for Cavs Jazz. You are, in fact, traveling to Utah for this game, so you'll be somewhere undisclosed, probably at a compound, uh, you know, in in the greater Salt Lake area that we will you will record from. We'll do that, and I'm excited to get your mm-hmm. to get the the vibe check on the ground. Um, until yeah, then. I'm hoping to um go out in the battle a little bit and just maybe pick the brains of folks before shoot around, after shoot around, just say like, hey, Donovan Mitchell's back in town. How do you feel? It's not a story or anything, but I am curious to see what the general like atmosphere and vibe is in Salt Lake City leading up to this game. Because it is, it's a big game. Yes. Um, this is going to remind me to text my, I have a cousin who uh, lives in, so I'm going to ask him if this has been a, a discussion point. I'm going to ask him. He's, he's maybe not the, 
he's kind of more doing in hunting and things than he is like basketball, but you know, we'll, we'll see what he has to say. Uh, but this has been Locked on Cavs for Monday, January 9th. Thanks again for making us your first listen every day. This episode was produced by the one and only Jake Stevens. Now I'll make your second listen game to game NBA from every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked in game to game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis only Locked in can deliver. Follow game to game NBA on Locked in NBA available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.